Hello, everyone. Welcome to another action-packed, massive episode of ARG Presents. I am Amigo Aaron, joined by a man who puts the M in MMORPG. It's the B-R-E-N-T himself, Brent. A multiplayer? No, massive. <laughs> oh, no. Massive. Oh, shoot. So, if you joined us last week, we spun the wheel, we made the deal. And this week, improbably, we're going to be playing games that were MMORPGs, massively yes. multiplayer, online, role-playing games. Now, Brent, uh, we both have a pretty uh, uh, long and colorful history with the MMO scene. Uh, do you remember when you first broke in, and what were you up to? I Well, I've been playing MMOs for, uh, you know, nearly 20 years. I started with EverQuest, and I still play one today. Mm, very good, very good. I uh, I would contend that board games were even a type of MMO. I wouldn't say it's an RPG, uh, but to a certain degree it was. If you were playing something like Trade Wars or... Oh, Space Dynasty or something oh, like that. BBS games. That's right. Not, not Monopoly and, so, and Settlers uh, so, of Catan. That's right. Uh, the uh, so those were sort of the kickoff point to uh, to the modern day MMO. Okay. Uh, and just for fun, and just gosh, when are we going to be this way again? Never. I did a massive write up here on why well, a massive roundup would be a better way to put it. On the history of MMOs, it's actually quite fascinating. I didn't know any of this stuff. So I thought we'd kind of dip our toe in the pool of how MMOs came to be. So get this. Take a guess. When do you think the first, what's considered an MMO, came out? Well, it'd be Ultima Online, right? No. no. So very wrong. Well, okay. It depends. You're, if you're talking with including BBS games, I have no idea. I'm talking uh, a, a virtual world that allowed multiple players in it. Uh, all right. Hit me with the name. Maze War. Yep, never heard of it. 1974 <laughs> was the time. Oh, well, come on. That's man. hey, I'm just telling you. Come on. Uh, this was a uh, th this was an MMO that you played over serial cables on a big computer at MIT. And, <laughs> That's you, not math. And eventually, you, they made it so you could play it across ARPANET, making that ARPANET, which was the predecessor to the internet, which I thought was neat. That's closely. That's closer to math. You also had a thing called the Plato system, which is an educational computer system. Uh, this is also in '74. And uh, this also had the MMO on it, um, called Oblaet, which was written by a fellow named Jim Schwager. Uh, this was on. This was basically like a mud, which, if you're not familiar okay. with the term, it's a multi-user dungeon, which was really, really the granddaddy of all MMOs. Yes. These multi-user dungeons, Agreed. and some of these things are still around. Uh, there were actually a ton of games uh, in the '70s that were you could consider an MMO. There was another one for the Plato system called Moria, which I wonder where they got that idea. Uh, that was straight out of uh, Tolkien. Uh, and in in uh, seventy eight at Essex University in the UK, they had a, a computer uh, uh, on the Marco ten. Uh, oh no, excuse me, it was the DEC PDP ten. And this game was named Mud Multi User Dungeon. So that's <laughs> they didn't get better on the bush. <coughs> so which I think is pretty cool. So in eighty nine. Yehuda Simmons published a game called Avalon, The Legend Lives. Yep. And that is still online, apparently. Sort of. It wasn't the first MUD, but it basically was the big daddy of MUDs. I mean, this was like the one that really kicked it, you know, kicked it into high gear. If you think about it, <coughs> 1989, for me, doesn't seem that long ago. But 
uh, um, it's hard to believe that the MMO scene, there was no existence of it up to the point, you know, because I mean, we were still playing, I was still logging on to BBS as an 89. Well, you know, so, I mean, technology, man. I mean, it's weird. The timelines always strikes me as strange. So the first commercial MMO, okay? Okay. That's more what I thought you were asking before. All right. Now get this. And I remember these. This game was, this was, uh, this was a game called The Island of Kesme. It was designed by Kelton Finn, Flynn and John Taylor, and it was a roguelike game. It was available at 85 for 12 bucks an hour over CompuServe. Woo! Now, 12 bucks an hour, you'll... <laughs> That'll cost you. <laughs> when I was doing this research, one thing I noticed is that uh, if you want to get into the MMO scene back in the Dizay, and I mean real, not, I don't mean playing it on the Play-Doh system in the 70s. Right. I'm talking in the 80s. Uh, much like everything else that was online... Oh, you're going to pay. Don't think you won't pay. <laughs> yes. Because CompuServe wasn't cheap per hour, period. So this yeah. is an additional cost, right? So get this. Here's another one. Uh, Lucasfilm had a game called ha- uh, uh, Habitat. Right? It was an online role-playing game made by Lucasfilm uh, Games. And this was available in 86 on the Quantum Link service, which was on the uh, for the C64. I would wager people in this listening audience have played this game. And... Uh, this game also was uh, available on AOL apparently at some point. Uh, this also won the, one of the first awards given to an MMO. It won the first Penguin Award <laughs> for, for innovative hey. work. This was <laughs> awarded years later. Now get of here's, course. Let me let me tell you. Let me ask you if you've heard of this one. The first graphical MMO RPG, Neverwinter Nights. Uh, this wasn't the Neverwinter Nights that we played on the PC years later. This or was, the MMO that's out now. This is the AOL uh, version, which I remember hearing about this. And this one was much more contemporary. This came out in 91 and ran all the way to 97. And uh, to play this, it cost 6 bucks an hour to play this on AOL. Well, the prices, hey, the prices are coming down. They're coming down. Can now you, it's only 6 bucks an imagine, hour. Can you imagine... That much money was spent on this stuff because we know how people get when it comes to these sorts of things. Oh people... my gosh! If you had a game as addictive to say like EverQuest or something, and they were paying an hourly rate, oh holy yeah, moly. So uh, Air Warrior was an early multiplayer game where you could fly virtual fighter planes. It came out '86 and was on Genie. This is like a trip down memory lane for these old services. There's another one, Genie, GE's uh, multi multi server uh, multi service game or uh, service. So there was also a, a game called Shadow of Yerbus, and it was an MMO by Sierra, the Sierra Network. This is incredible. I will say, as a sidebar here, in the old days, uh, as the uh, dial up internet or whatever you want to call it, it was coming in the first year. There were a ton of these little services yeah. weren't there. Yep. I, uh, I mean, remember Earthlink? Or, well, I, I mean, Earthlink's still around today. Earthlink but. was strictly to get you on the net, though. I mean, this is stuff. Yeah. These were their own networks. Oh, G, yeah. GE had their network, and there was, a, there was a couple for the CC support. Then you had AOL, which really, the internet wasn't a huge part of AOL early on. Correct. Uh, uh, and CompuServe and all these crazy yep. things. I, I, we were on some of these. I mean, I, was, I wasn't on QuantumLink. But I was on Genie for a little while. I was on, uh, of course, we were on CompuServe for a little while. CompuServe and AOL. I remember running up a guy's bill on CompuServe one time. Man, we were just downloading the crap out of stuff. Oh boy, that's a whole other story. Don't do that. <laughs> that was that was mean. Um, so let's keep going here. The first commercial text-based MMORPG to go from the internet to a proprietary network provider, in this case, CompuServe, 
uh, or to the internet from Comic Store was the Legends of Future Past game, which I've not heard of that one. I haven't either. Now here we're going into a more modern era here. So uh, who came up with the term MMORPG? Keep in mind these games were basically called MUDs, mud, online MUDs, whatnot. Where, where do you think the term? Who do you think came up with this? You would know who this guy is. Lord British. You're right. Yeah. Richard Garriott, the creator of Ultima Online, in 1997, he he uh, coined the term MMORPG. It says here the term probably derives from the term MMOG that can be traced back to 1995 uh, when Dale Ad, Ad Inc. used it to describe a game called Confirmed Kill. Uh, another online game that came out right around the same time from Sierra Online, The Realm Online. You ever heard of that one? Maybe. Then we had in 96, uh, in Korea, Nexus, The Kingdom of the Winds. Now, we've both heard of the yes. Nexus series. Yep. Uh, this was a huge game in, in Korea, and it's still uh, online right now, along with, I believe it had a sequel as well. Uh, there's a game called, now, check this out. Here's what I'd totally forgotten about. In 96, Meridian 59. I've never played By 3DO. Time. Uh, I'd heard of it, uh, and it was one of the first big internet games that got magazine coverage. Mm. And it had a, another one. With a, it was one of the first ones that had a flat monthly fee as opposed to an hourly, hourly. fee. Well, I mean, the, well, I just, hey, just, again, the prices are coming down. God only knows what the flat. I wonder what the actual hourly or the flat fee would have been. Four hundred bucks a month or whatever. Oh, um. So. There's a game called Tibia by Kipsoft that was launched in 97. And see, at this point, the race is on. Uh, online, uh, Alpha, uh, Ultima Online, the alpha testing began in January of 96, and it was released in 97. And that's when the game changed. Well, it did, because that's the first big one, wasn't yeah. it? Including the ever, the infamous, the infamous, impossible killing of Lord British in-game. Until he killed him. <laughs> well, I mean, they did They did kill Lord British yeah. in the game. And I remember this made the news. Yeah. I mean, I would see this in real news. Yeah. yeah. But this world was quite a, uh, um, popular because it was so different. This was the one that really probably did, in fact, set the stage for, it, it, for modern MMOs. It uh, helped. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, and I think then, the next one coming up is what did it all. To round out the uh, uh, market here, you had... In right between '96 and '98, you had a, a slew of games, and you had, uh, uh, including NCSoft, which we're going to talk about. Uh, you had uh, Lineage Two, uh, huge game, City of Heroes, Guild Wars, uh, Xsteel, Aeon. Uh, those were all big games uh, that actually those are later down the line. Yeah, Guild yeah. Wars Two actually spawned the sequel, and then uh, EverQuest. Do you know when EverQuest launched? You want to take a guess at this? I was surprised it was this late. 98, wasn't it? 90, it was March of 99. 99, okay. Now, we played the heck out of EverQuest. And EverQuest sort of uh, put the nail in the coffin. I mean, I, I don't know. I think Ultimate Online may still be up. I'm not 100% sure. Mm. I'm not sure if it's down or not. No, I don't think I don't think it. Not official servers. In not, EverQuest still runs official servers. Yeah, I know it does. In 99, you had um, uh, a game that I remember being a big deal at the time called Asheron's Call. Yep, and these were called the big three games: Ultima Online, EverQuest, and and uh, Astron's Call. And then that's pretty much where I stopped because then you're getting to the modern era. But just some notes uh, on on some dates when stuff was released you might have heard of. Uh, in 2001, you had uh, Dark Age of Camelot and Anarchy Online released. In 2003, you had uh, Lineage Two, Eve yep. Online. 
Star Wars Galaxies and Tail in the Desert, yep. which I believe you played. Oh, Brent. we're going to talk about that one. And then in uh, uh, in in 2005, you had Wow. Uh, uh, you had EQ2, uh, City of Heroes. Uh, you had uh, City of Villains. You had uh, Guild Wars and the Matrix Online. Remember that one? Yep. Played and then it. you had uh, in 2006, D- Dungeons and Dragons Online came out. It's still, still going. going. And in 2007, Mist. And remember, and Lord of the Rings came out. So it's still going. So you had you had a lot of uh, there was a lot of action uh, there, uh, and it's neat to think that stuff traces back to the multi-user dungeons. You know, my buddy the Chud, which I occasionally mention on the show, uh, <clears throat> he got into the muds hot and heavy. He played a mud called Vampire Wars. Uh, this would have been uh, right around, and it was in the uh, it would have been the mid mid nineties when he was hot and heavy into this thing. And the, of course, this was all text based, and Chad was a real uh, worker. I remember he gave his guy a name that was like thirty characters long, and it was it was random characters, and he did that so because when you went to attack someone in the game, you had to type attack and then their name. Yeah. And no one could type his name in quick enough to attack him. They had to change the game because of him. He also loved those muds so much that he pulled his bed right up beside the computer. He was the first person I knew that did that. So he was, but he was addicted to these things uh, uh, fully and completely for the longest sure. time. Uh, they were very addictive things, and they were very popular right up until, and were even slightly past when the more modern games came out. And some people play these things to this day, and there are still plenty of uh, MUDs around. So MUDs really were the early predecessors of the MMO. Yeah, yeah. And before we get into our feature games, uh, a few games I want to hit on, uh, and just their impact, not only on the market, but on myself. Uh, EverQuest, when it launched, uh, I was I was not there. I was in the beta, but not their opening day, and then came in uh, a few months later. Uh, it's faction system where you had races that were evil and races that were good, and evil races couldn't go to good places and good places couldn't go to evil places. That set up a very real dynamic that had been in previous games, but in this kind of setting uh, really made the world feel like it was more alive. Because you had these NPCs that hated other NPCs. Which was, that was a, that's kind of a new thing. It would kill them. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I saw many people fail out of college because of EverQuest. Yeah. EverQuest um, was a, a, a time sink. It was an addictive, addictive thing. And something else to consider about a game like an EQ. Um, since you hadn't played anything like it before, it was, it was not just playing a game. I mean, this was a... Um, this was a new way of thinking about playing, and a new—I mean, it became your life. I mean, yes, I never—I mean, many a morning, I remember sitting in this inn, waiting for the uh, this guy to come. Everyone, to, everyone would sit around and they would shout trades for different items or prices, you know, like a store. And I would just sit in this inn and and then and lay in bed and watch the prices go by until I saw something I wanted, and I'd jump up real quick, and you know, and that's. But I mean, I remember doing that for months, yeah. you know, months yeah. doing that. Uh, another one I wanted to touch on <clears throat> that it's not one of our feature games is uh, A Tale in the Desert. Uh, you mentioned it earlier. It was a very small, I, the user base on it never got above uh, uh, 5,000 users. Um, but it was, and I hate to use this term because it's so, it's so uh, uh, frowned upon now, but it was actually a social experiment 
uh, for the people who made it. Uh, it's an MMO like no other. It, you, it's a crafting MMO. There's, there's not really, there's no combat in it. It's all about social interaction. But what made it very interesting was, uh, as you played, you could make laws in the game. The society as a whole could make laws, and the devs would actually go in and code that into the game. And there were uh, times where you could uh, basically elect a pharaoh. And that pharaoh could exile people from the game. And I'm, when I mean exile, I mean your account got deleted. You had to make a new account, a new character, a new everything. Now, obviously, in a in a that would be lawsuit city in, in yeah, a more in a more broad, you know, like a World of Warcraft type scenario. <clears throat> but it was an extraordinarily interesting game. They, it's got a rich history, and I almost picked it for this week because of some of the stuff that it had going on in it. I just did not think it had the mass appeal. Is this still around? It is still running. The original owners are no longer a part of it, unfortunately, Uh, but it does still run. If you've got a minute and you can find a history of A Tale in the Desert, uh, go read the wiki page. You'll be amazed at some of the stuff that happens in this game. It's mm. really awesome. I remember you playing it, and I had no idea what, oh what my was gosh. going on with it. I was I, like, man, this, it, what is this thing? It was one of those games that I had to stop playing because it consumed so much of my time, and I knew it was uh, uh, unhealthy. So <laughs> I, I, I stepped away from it. But it had some features that no other MMO ever had because it was a small-scale game. Uh, do you have any MMO honorable mentions before we get into the meat of it? <clears throat> My MMO career is actually kind of brief in a way. I mean, it was, it was long stints with a couple games. I played a, uh, as we determined, the game I played the most early on was EQ. I played it for years. I've told this story in, to my friends in public, but <clears throat> I don't know if I've ever told it on here, but I... I played it so much that I got to the point. I remember getting. I remember getting in my Jeep or my old Citation one day to go to the store, and at my old house, and I hopped out and I got in the store and I thought I'd been playing this in this land called Karana. Uh, I think it was uh, North Carolina. Like des- the deserty yeah. one, and I thought I saw a mountain lion in my bush. <laughs> You know, because I'd been looking so intently for them when I was, I was running across the <laughs> desert. And I was like, geez, I think there's a line over there. And I, and I was thinking in game terms in the real world. Not good. No, no that's bad. You and don't so want I thought that. to myself, yeah, this is probably, I literally, I remember thinking, okay. And the one thing about MMOs, you, you can advance online uh, and or you can suck. But anyway, it goes, you're trying hard to keep going. But in, at the end of the day, just like any game, really, uh, it's just you're not really, with the exception of the pleasure you get, you're, you're it's empty hours. You're getting nothing accomplished in, well, the, in real life. No, I don't agree with that. You're, what are you getting accomplished I, in real I, life? I, I think there are social interactions in an MMO uh, that can actually. I mean, you can learn uh, other people's perspective from across the world uh, while still having fun. I know I've met many friends, especially in a town in the desert, that would. They would greet me, and we would have conversations. We would talk about what was going on on our day outside of the game. It wasn't game life. And those were people for that time that I would have considered friends. Well, I guess a better way to put it is I had stuff I could be doing that would help me in the real world, and I wasn't doing them. And I was doing, spending well, too much time on EK. Just like Every, everything else. in moderation. Exactly. Right? So uh, I, I kind of... Uh, 
And also, when the original expansion for EQ came out, it sort of nullified all the hard work I'd done, and it, it pissed me off. And I'm pretty much that's pretty much the end. Of, that's when I pretty much stopped playing uh, EQ. Now, the the other game that I played extensively was uh, City of Heroes, which we'll talk about. I did play EQ two quite a bit when it came out. Uh, I had a cup of coffee with uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. I had a cup of coffee with WoW. Uh, I've, I've played a couple things on and off, but those are the two big ones that I that I played. And I know you were uh, you played uh, both those uh, quite a bit. I, I played almost all. Of them. Yeah, so, I really have. And the friend was more into that stuff than I was. So, so without further ado, so we uh, we, we let's we go picked, to the meat we, and potatoes. We picked a couple games uh, from the MMO world. Uh, and now, uh, unfortunately, because it's funny, we had some people asking me about kind of reviewing the games early to uh, so they could play along and even send in some reviews, which is great. So here's, how, here's before we get into this, I wanted to mention this. Uh, starting uh, this coming week, we're going to release our games uh, on Tuesday or Wednesday, Wednesday. I should say, Wednesday. In, on, on uh, uh, the Amigos Discord channel. So if you're one of the uh, Patreons, you're going to have access to see what game we're playing. Uh, early and that way you can play along for a few days before we record on on Sunday, uh, if you want to. Now, hilariously, we couldn't do that this week because these games are both unplayable right now. Not true. Uh, is, Go ahead. We'll get, okay. Keep... Well, they're not playable in a commercial sense. There How about that? Uh, so, uh, but starting next week. So, if you're one of our, if you're one of the Amigos uh, Patreon folks, first of all, thank you, and secondly, you will have access to the game early if you want to uh, play along we've been we've been having that happen on amigos and it's really enjoyable and it adds to it a lot to get some reviews in so absolutely um with that being said uh we picked two games we're gonna let brent lead the charge this week brent tell us what you picked for your game i picked star wars galaxies holy moly what a franchise what i when you when you think mmo and then you think star wars you think this has to be. This has to have made the most money of any game of all time. When they announced this originally, I knew I knew it was going to be the biggest MMO, uh, and it was going to be the most popular one, and it was going to blow everything else away. And you were wrong. And this was. <laughs> and keep in mind, this is before Disney came in and did whatever the hell they're doing to, to the Star Wars franchise right now. I mean, this was when Star Wars was. Uh, uh, still pop, super duper mega popular as opposed to just sort of mostly mega popular. Like it well, is now. It's, it's still mega popular. It's, it's just going, because you don't enjoy it and I don't enjoy it. Uh, listen, it's still ridiculously you, uh, profitable. Hold on, I didn't listen. The last movie lost money. A Star Wars movie that lost money. I want you to play. Yes, it did. No, it did. You can shake your head, but you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, it did. Yeah, Shut up. Just do your thing. Now you're making me <laughs> mad on the show. <clears throat> so Star Wars Galaxy. Uh, as you said a little bit earlier, release 2003. That's that's pretty far back. Uh, this was an MMO that when it was announced, it was supposed to be a WoW killer even before WoW existed. Because WoW didn't come out until 2005. But this was supposed to be something when it hit the scene, it would literally set the internet on fire. They were afraid it was going to crash the internet because of how popular it was going to be. Yeah. <clears throat> Unfortunately for the game, it never saw that popularity. Uh, it's it at its peak. I think it was pointing in three hundred and fifty thousand subscribers. Is really? the numbers I was seeing? That's its peak. Yeah. Holy smoke! And uh, uh, after the peak, I mean, of course, whenever you reach <laughs> expanses, you have little bumps. But it, it never, it never reached. You mean those like numbers. simultaneous users or total? No, users? total. Uh, at 
paying subscribers at one time. I never knew it was that unpopular. That is incredibly low. So, let's... When we're talking about Star Wars Galaxies, most uh, MMOs, you talk about expansions or you talk about uh, uh, the launch or stuff like that. I want to talk a little bit about how the game played, what made it special, but then I'm not... Expansions, all that kind of stuff. Side notes. The big thing with Star Wars Galaxies were the two major patches it got, and I'm going to go into a little bit of detail on that. So, let's start back... 2003, the game releases. Uh, I was there, not on opening day, but real bloody close because I was pumped at one thing this game did, and it did it better than anyone else still to this day, and that was to give you a sandbox, open-world MMORPG. And what I mean by that is the world had its cities, and it had its uh, NPCs, and it had its vendors for, you know, your normal stuff. But most of the world was physically built by players. There were player housing, which led to player cities, which led to uh, player-run total establishments where you could go and you didn't go to the main cities for a lot of your stuff. Really, the only thing you went to the main cities for was travel to other planets. And even some of the huger player-made cities later in the game had those kind of spaceports. But this was a game where you physically added your structure, pre-made structure, to the map, and that became your home. Um, Talk about classes. There were tons of things you could do in Star Wars Galaxies. Professions, 26 of them. And when I say professions, I don't mean like combat classes like wizard or sorcerer. You know, they're kind of the same thing. I mean vastly distinct things you could do in the game. They were wacky. Even I knew about that. Uh, you could. You had, of course, you had your combat classes, your melee, your your pistol, your rifles, that sort of thing. But then you also had uh, architects or cooks, uh, medics, entertainers. And all of this was used to flesh out this living, breathing world. There were people that would play the game and would never go out and kill anything. Their entire existence was living in a cantina, uh, dancing, interacting with the community. And what that did was give uh, combat classes huge, powerful buffs. Uh, When you got hurt or you got certain ailments or you needed... Uh, you were getting ready to go into a big fight, you would go to uh, medics uh, in the game that were actually players that would buff your character with medicine and shots and you know steroids and drugs. When you were out in the field and you needed quick pick-me-ups, you had player-made food. And the way all of this happened was the players didn't just go to this bush and pick the berries off uh, or, you know, kill this and and harvest the the skins off of it. Uh, The way it worked in Star Wars Galaxies were you surveyed the land with different equipment and found, like, mineral reserves. And then you would set up your your, uh, extractors physically on the land. So the best places couldn't be occupied by more than one person. And 
to make it fair, and this was brilliant and unheard of at the time, those the the resource of these things would deplete and then show up somewhere else in the world. So you couldn't just stay in one place. You'd have to gather wind, right? You'd set up your wind farm and you'd generate a bunch of wind power and then the winds would shift, like the seasons would change. So you'd have to take down all your equipment, find the new place, build it all back up and start collecting again. It gave non-combat people something to do. The combat in this game was over-the-top complicated. Uh, there were three bars that were basically your health, your mind, and your stamina. Um, and you had attacks that would attack different bars. So you could knock someone out by draining all their mind power or by you know lowering their stamina. And it made it complicated because there was also some shots, some things you could only do while you were kneeling, some things you could only do while you were prone, some things you could only do when someone wasn't facing you, that kind of affair. It was very, very, very complicated, but it was also rewarding, but it was not balanced. And before I go any farther, do not think that this game was some kind of super MMO. It had a lot, a lot of problems. It had a lot of bugs. It had a, a, a lot of featureless buildings that were, you know, static. Uh, the missions all came from terminals. There was no overarching storyline. It was always go here, kill this many things. Things that in modern terms are just junk missions that you don't really see or you try not to see in MMOs anymore. It had, it had a rep for outside from for being buggy and, yes. and boring. And also for having big stretches of nothingness. I remember that yes. was another thing. And, and, you could go forever and just and you wouldn't see anything. And that is all very true. That is 100% true. Like desert, basically. Like Tatooine, basically. <clears throat> it's a big, empty nothing. It was not there, it wasn't enough there. Well, and when I... Like I said, when I say sandbox, this was true sandbox. Yeah, it was sand. <laughs> uh, if, if the player base did not put something on the map, there was nothing on the map. One, and, one would assume these vast expanses of nothingness were built, so with the assumption that more than the amount of people that showed up would show up. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It makes sense now when you hear you talk about this. I understand. So when the game first launched, it also didn't have space combat. It, cause it, <laughs> yes, and I remember that. It's because it released early. Yeah. It, uh, the, the Sony and uh, Lucas at the time, Pushed it at the door because it needed to be. They thought it needed to be on the market at this time, or it was going to lose its buzz. It was really tough to even get off a planet. Was I don't remember reading a whole lot of. I mean, you could get a, you could go to a different planet, but it wasn't. No, you just bought a ticket yeah. for the most part. Um, but the first expansion came out. It added the space combat, and the, that was by far the best thing that this game game ever did as as an expansion ways. From this point on. Holy moly, it's turmoil time. What, what's a it's good MMO without a little bit of controversy? So, in 2005, uh, it is determined that 350,000 subscribers is not nearly enough. Not nearly enough! Uh, and this was about the same time that WoW released, and it, it said 1.5 million, and, and we're just getting started. Yeah. And this made uh, the Lucas people angry because, in their mind, 
they had the most popular property on the planet. Yes, they were right. And if you can't bring in at least, at least a million subscribers, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. So Sony, so Sony panicked, <clears throat> and they said, this game, and at this point, the game had been established. It had been out for a couple years. Um, the player base that was there was very solid. It was not, it didn't have this wavering that a lot of MMOs have. It was a very solid base because what people had invested into the game, which took hours and hours and hours, you know, hundreds of hours of time, they were proud of. And they wanted to upkeep it because everything deteriorates in the game. And they wanted to upkeep it and make sure it was around so everyone could see what they've done. So on April 27th, 2005, the first big change comes to the game. And it is known as the CU, the Combat Upgrade. And what this did was took the horribly overcomplicated but very intricate combat system in the game and scrapped it. And they went with a more traditional, when your health runs out, everything attacks your health. When your health runs out, you die. Everything else is just used to produce the neat things that you can do. And what that did was it made all of the buffs, all the food that you ate, the medics buffs, the dancers, all of that suddenly became less important. So, and then the people who were in the combat, the things that they were really powerful and worked really hard to obtain was now middle of the road at best, some of it complete junk. So you've actually went and hurt more classes than just the combat class. You've hurt a, a huge, huge section of the gaming population. And they said, <clears throat> ride it out, try it out, you're going to like it. Okay? Beautiful thing. Well... They lost a lot of players because of they it. They didn't like it. Um, <laughs> the players that did stick around, they adjusted. And in my opinion, although I did not like the combat upgrade because of how it was implemented, I 100% agree something had to be done to streamline combat because it was a mess. It was poorly thought out of from the beginning. It makes it hard, it makes it hard for someone new to come in, too. When well, that yes, I agree. And that's probably what, that was probably a big chunk of their reasoning. So... When all this was happening, in the background, the other thing that was happening were, why are there not Jedis in our Star Wars game? Yeah, I remember hearing that too. And there were a lot of complicated, convoluted ideas of how people can become Jedi that the devs were toying with. But all of them were deemed too difficult by Lucas and other people too. Uh, higher ups in Sony. So they said, we're going to make it so you have to do three professions, but we're not going to tell them, master three professions, but we're not going to tell you what those professions are. So if you do that, then you can unlock your Jedi stuff. Well, that was even too much because people didn't know. So they started dropping hints. A, a holocron cubes that when you used it, it would tell you one profession that you had to master to unlock your Jedi powers. Well, once that became the light, it wasn't... Jedis were a myth that they were in the game to there are a handful 
and two, now there are hundreds. Yes, and, I remember as this was going on. <laughs> and this was at a time when Jedi's, uh, uh, the super mega powerful, as you know, they kind of should be. Um, and it really shook up the game. So, <clears throat> but it was still at least, when you saw a Jedi running around, in the beginning, it was like, oh my gosh, Jedi, oh, you know, it's impressive. And at the end, they're just annoying because they're just slaughtering everybody. Yeah. So the next phase in their plan uh, is they're, they're, they're still, they're leaking users. <clears throat> they haven't hit the million mark. Uh, now the Jedis are, are super powerful and they're kind of starting to take over the place. It totally changes the dynamic of the game. Uh, something had to be done and something done it was. And thank that you, thank was you, Yoda. <laughs> something done it was. And that was the new game experience. This was a patch that it did not alter the games uh, like a combat thing did. This was an absolute new game that they shoved down everyone's throats. Instead of having dozens of professions that you could choose from, you had nine. And you just chose it at the beginning of the game. Now you could just click on Jedi and you were a Jedi. But being a Jedi didn't mean anything anymore because they were all they were so nerfed because they had to fit to be as powerful as everyone else. Uh, this was the beginning of the end for this game. I remember hearing about the day this dropped. In fact, I remember you could play. I believe you, would have, you were a big oh, fan of me cooking. I, I was. And it was, your class went away. In, <laughs> in, in my early days, I was a cook, dancer, rifleman. <laughs> That's right. This is the problem right there. <laughs> cook, Those are the stupidest combination of games. Cook, dancer, rifleman. That was my classes. I'd love to see footage of that show when you were doing it. <laughs> And, and uh, I was actually on my way to earning Jedi, uh, and then uh, the new game experience, and they did not test this externally. They did not let people know. They let people know it was coming two weeks before the change, and then, bam, it dropped, and it changed Everything. One thing it changed was a mass exodus. Everything. I remember that. <laughs> the game actually lasted. Just when I say new game experience, it was literally everything about the game was changed. Uh, how the game, how the combat worked, how your powers worked, how you chose classes, how you farmed, how you crafted. Literally, you, everything in the game was changed before when you crafted. You could actually make individual items that were totally unique to you <clears throat> that only you could make with powers and stats that only you could provide your customer. Uh, after the New Game Plus, uh, it was only, you could only make stock items so everyone was making the same thing. Mm. So even those people that stuck around through the combat change who reworked mm. all their shops and and stuff like that, they were, and you would go, you was like, yeah, this guy's the guy you go to if you want to buy your best blasters. I mean, that was what, he was known as the best blaster guy. So you would go to his city, and you would buy stuff from his shop. Uh, and this changed all of that. The combat changed. 
the even the looks of the games changed. It was the interface, the GUI. It was a drastic, massive change, and the player base hated it. Yes, hated it, and it was they. The developers were all like, oh, you're going to love it when you get used to it. This is all about bringing in the new players. They don't know anything about the, <clears throat> their base when they say well, stuff like that. Well, and that's the problem. They never even talk to their base. Their community manager, when this hit, when the combat upgrade hit, he was he fussed. He said, <clears throat> you know, this is going to cause problems. I don't think you've tested this enough. Uh, the play, This isn't what the player base is looking for. And, but in the end, he kind of lamented and said, you know what? He told, went to the community and said, guys, this is going to happen whether we want it to or not. Let's just kind of roll with the punches here. When uh, New Game, the new experience, blah, 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 uh, New Game Enhancements released, the community manager said, this will not stand. I will not go and promote this. This is not what the community wants. And he was fired for it. But I will have to say, and he wasn't a volunteer, he was paid. Uh-huh. And he was fired for it. Uh, I'll have to give that guy credit. I wish I knew his name. He stood up for the community to a degree that I've, never seen, <laughs> that I've never seen before in a game. It was really impressive. He probably saw the writing on the wall anyway. Like, well, very well. Fired That's very I, true. This thing's going down. Um, Is that, was that Robin on the bat yeah. phone there? So, on... Um, that aspect of it, he was exactly right because the game started imaging people. Here's what's crazy, though: the game stuck around for four more years, lived along four more years, uh, released a lot of like compilation. Uh, you had a bundles with all of their all of their products on it, uh, just to get back on the shelf, try to get people interested. But it was it was the end was there. Uh, one last thing to note on this is the game was so loved in its pre-combat update state that people have reversed engineered the game and there are Star Wars Galaxies server emulators that you can log on to right now if you own the, the base game. You can just install it, run a few patches, and log into and replay those ga- that, that time you miss. The emulators uh, are still being updated. I think the last update when I looked was like three days ago. Mass. It shows how much the community... Well, first of all, it shows that the game had a community. Because you can't pull that kind of p- people together to make something like this without having a strong community. And... Uh, uh, it really shows the dedication of these fans who got completely screwed by the company that were trying to produce a product for them. Uh, I know you didn't spend a lot of time in Star Wars Galaxies. I had a cup of coffee. <clears throat> uh, I was in it for pretty much the beginning up to uh, the the new enhancements, the, the new game plus, however you want to call it. Uh, and that was it for me. I quit very quickly after. But I'll have to say... As for crafting, as for impact to the world, I don't think any game hit as hard or as well as Star Wars Galaxies. I know you're a big crafting nut. I am, yeah. Well, it, just I'll summarize my comments quickly. The uh, Star Wars property is the, it, and 
certainly was and may still be one of the most valuable properties on earth. You you botch it's a botched job. It was a botched job, and World of Warcraft proved that the people are out there they want to play, and you've got a lot more fans of Star Wars than you World of Warcraft, but they had a lot more faith in World of Warcraft than did Star Wars. It was a botched job. There's no there's no it long short. I think Sony had their they had too many things going on. I think it launched too early. Yeah, and it launched with way and too many bugs. When you launch without space stuff for the Star Wars game, you've, yeah. you've botched the job. No, I agree. And I agree as an added that. bonus, and we'll talk about the. There's a. It's interesting comparing contrast between yeah. your game, and my game is. <clears throat> the thing that makes it most sort of fascinating to talk about is the fact that they uh, are the only games that can really evolve. Yes, and they evolve through content provided by the maker of the game. And they can evolve or they can de-evolve. They can, they can make improvements or they can make changes that aren't popular. And what you're looking at with Galaxies is, is a game where they to, uh, to make it more popular, more accessible, which is what they should have had in the first place, they de-evolve the game for people that have been playing. Yeah. So basically what you're doing is you're undermining your core audience. Yep. Uh, and when you do that, as we both know, in gaming, you really rarely do you get a second chance. There aren't a lot of games where you hear about, oh, they released a patch and suddenly it got popular. Usually, yeah. if you screw up early, and we'll talk about the new Fallout as an example, it got a horrible rep uh, uh, with the community before the launch. Then the launch came where they and they got caught in lies and they were, it was buggy. It was a disaster. And uh, uh, they're never getting it back. I mean, That's and right. their numbers, it was a complete bomb. So, a, a perfect example. So, <clears throat> there is a famous quote that I'll, I'll end with. Um, I'm not going to do it verbatim, but uh, a Sony executive said, Players don't want what we have. Players want kill, loot, repeat. Kill, loot, repeat. They want to be Han Solo, they want to be uh, Luke Skywalker. They don't want to be uh, Moisture Farmer Ben. Well, the thing he didn't realize is the community that had been built with Star Wars did want to be Moisture Farmer Ben because that is what they were given. That's what they accepted the game was, and then they came and took that away from them. I, I, I believe he was certainly sort of right. The problem is they discovered this after they'd already launched the game. And well, so by that time, you've listen. When you amass three hundred thousand users for a Star Wars game, you're getting some hardcore MMO people, but you're not getting little Billy, the kid that watched Star Wars and wants to be Skywalker. That's right. That's and so, right. And that was too late. They, they, they botched the job. So, um, very interesting, Brent. Uh, we're going to move along to my choice this week. I chose uh, as my game, uh, and I've mentioned it earlier, City of Heroes. Uh, City of Heroes was developed by Cryptic Studios and published by NC Soft. Uh, it was out for Windows, and it launched uh, April 27, 2004, in the U.S. and in the, uh, Europe, February 4, 2005. Um, and unfortunately, it was put to bed November 30, 2012. So it had a, it had a, a, a little over eight year run. Uh, so the backstory of City of Heroes is actually kind of interesting, and I didn't know any of this until I started doing some research. So, you had a guy named Michael Lewis who was a big Dungeons and Dragons fan when he was a kid, and he had and he had a degree uh, in computer system engineering, and he ran a chip company in the nineties. All right, that ended up getting bought by Broadcom. Okay, Broadcom, of course, huge for 50, for sixty million bucks. He walked away with like about twenty million dollars. So he was like, "What do I do with this money?" And he, him, he was approached by a buddy of his named Rick Dockin, 
with the idea of having a put together an online game. And they pick, and they decided on superheroes because they knew that the, uh, the medieval stuff, basically the fantasy, it had been done to death. Yeah. So uh, they also bumped into a former Atari engineer, Bruce Rogers, uh, who was creating his own graphics engine. They got him on board. Then they added another guy named Jack Emmett, and he this guy was teaching at Ohio State, but he eventually became the lead developer on the on the MMO. And so they out of this team they uh, came up with Cryptic Studios. And um, they didn't want to pay money for an IP, which is why uh, the superhero game doesn't have a Marvel or DC license. They were they were decided to go with the original content because it occurred to them that pretty much you can you can make your own superheroes up, you yes. know. And and, and they and were right. People have done it for years. So, um, in two thousand one, uh, they officially uh, unveiled City of Heroes. And uh, if, the funny thing is, Doc and the guy that came up to the guy to make the uh, to make the game, uh, he, they were behind schedule. He was the lead. He was the, the one of the lead developers. So they fired him. And but the funny wow. thing is, they put him to work. He was the guy that ended up running the Coh comic book. Huh? So they moved. They sort of fired him from development. Moved him over there. Uh, at E two thousand three, they had the game on display at E three, and it won best online game that year. So it was off to a good start. Um, so uh, beta testing began in January two thousand four, and I was I was in the beta, and you were in the beta. Uh, you were in uh, earlier, uh, and and I and I mean straight out of the gate. And I will say, from being in a beta, and I've been in a few betas uh, from back and uh, back and forth, including DDO, uh, Dungeon Dragons Online. Uh, this beta was very polished uh, beta. I mean, it was in good shape early on. Uh, and this uh, is back when betas were actually that's betas. Right. This was, I mean, you could play right out of the gate. You could you had superpowers. You could run around. It felt. I mean, it was. I was like, man, this is going to be a winner, and it looked great, you know, uh, as well. Uh, so uh, at the time, the way Cryptic uh, sold this game was just like you would sell any other game. You paid fifty bucks or so to get the box, and then you would pay. Uh, fee at the time it was uh, fifteen dollars a month mm -hmm. to pay to play, <clears throat> and when it uh, when it got uh, released, it had uh, over a hundred thousand subscribers within two weeks. So it was off to a good start. Again, this isn't the Star Wars property we're talking about here, so you don't have to expect those huge numbers. Um, so uh, one thing, City of Heroes, uh, sort of coined, and I don't know, I think they were the first ones I really heard doing this, like, the way they did it, was when they would release an update, like, when I played EQ, they would update EQ occasionally, and it would just, it was an update. In City of Heroes, they would bundle these updates into a big thing called an issue, like comic book issues, and the first issue, uh, one, uh, was, uh, was launched early, you know, a couple weeks after the game released, and eventually they'd go on to release 26 issues. Yeah. Uh, which which was kind of cool, uh, and so this thing released, like I said, in April or, or, or March or April two thousand four. By this by September, they already had, were up to issue two, and in, introduced stuff like badges and patches, which are basically things you can just go running around the world and just pick up by going to certain places or doing certain achievements in game, like uh, uh, vanquishing X amount of foes and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> so the game was well received. Uh, just to summarize again, I'm not going to get deeply into what the game is, but basically, you start off with a uh, well, right? You start off on a good foot because in this game, the first thing you come up with is your character creation. Uh, you have a certain number of archetypes, which which would uh, ex increase as the game went went on. Yes. They would add power sets basically, and you would you would pick your power set, and then within these uh, two power sets, you would pick. Uh, 
uh, your powers. And, and this is all choices for the player. Uh, so uh, you can mix and match a lot of these uh, archetypes however you wanted. And then once you picked your initial powers up, you would make your guy. The character creation for this thing was out of this world. It's still top tier. Everything's yeah. copied it. Uh, and it's uh, you would just go through and make your costume up, adjust your guy's you know sex, height, what he looked like, and they added to these uh, generators the, as the years went on. I mean, they w- extrapolated on it to the point at the end where you could, your guy could have these crazy glowing auras. You could change the color of the auras. You could change the color of your powers. You could change what the powers graphics looked like. It was very intricate. Now, you could spend as little time or as much time on these as you want. You could either, There was a randomized button that would just give you this random guy. Sometimes they were pretty cool. You know, I've used the randomizer more than once, probably almost every time I've ever used it. But it was a tremendous... Uh, uh, way to start. You it, knew right away. You're like, holy <clears throat> smokes, this is off, off, out of this world. It was so diversified. <clears throat> no two characters would look the same unless they they wanted to look, they purposely did it to look the same. It was pretty amazing. Right, and so once you, once you did this, you would pick one of two starting points in the game and you would start off. And then as a level one guy, you would still have uh, two or three powers. You'd have punch and you could have two powers. And you would just go around beating up bad guys who were trying to steal people's purses or break into buildings or cars. In this, uh, and, and you would get uh, experience points for, for vanquishing these foes. And you didn't, in, in COH, no one really got killed, uh, per se. You just, when you, when you knocked out a guy, they would basically get beamed to the jail. That was the yeah. gimmick. And so, you wouldn't, so it was actually sort of a, uh, I mean, it was a violent game, but it was uh, not what I would say, uh, you, could, you could justify it to yourself if you were well, a pacifist, I guess. Well, I mean, if you can hit someone with a flamethrower and then say, Hi, you're arrested. <laughs> so, now, you might be stretching the truth there just a little bit. But right, I understand right. What you're saying. So, uh, so, the game got off to a great start. And by summer 2004, Cryptic was already working on uh, City of Villains, which would be a yeah. separate game that would tie into this game. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, unfortunately, November 2004, Marvel sued Cryptic and NCSoft because they had noticed that you could basically make their characters in the game. Yeah. And this began kind of a wacky uh, era where they were at odds. Uh, and Marvel, the, and it really didn't go anywhere. Uh, the lawsuit ended without a, a court case. And they settled legally uh, uh, in 2005. Now, so what the changes were to the game was, uh, if they caught you, at the, there was a time where after, if you, like I used, to, I had a guy named, like, that looked just like Hulk Hogan, all right, for example. And I think he was called Hulk Hogan or yeah. some, you know, you know, some facsimile. And one day I got on, and Hulk Hogan was just turning this blank guy, and his name had been scrambled because they would, if they caught you ripping off somebody, they would come in and they could, they would mess you, mess up your guy. The funny thing is, <clears throat> this actually, in, in some ways, the Marvel suit actually helped the game because there was a time early on where you would see thirty Batmans running around or Wolverine, fifty was the Wolverines, big one. Yeah. yeah, and so it forced you to. To force you to think outside the box, and it, which wasn't a problem for us, but for a lot of people it was. And it really, I don't remember anyone being mad that they couldn't play as Batman. I mean, yeah. really, that sort of went away. Well, because you could play as Batman, you just couldn't look exactly yeah. like him and call yourself Batman. The reason why the lawsuit never went anywhere was uh, when they got to court and they said, look at all these <gasps> characters. Like, this looks exactly like the Hulk. This looks exactly like Wolverine. This looks exactly, you know, and like the, like the thing, all these characters... Uh, Cryptic was like, yeah, but you made all those people. 
Our user base didn't make those people. You made those people. And they were right. And Marvel was like, duh. And the judge was like, if you're doing this. Well, it actually didn't go to court. Well, right. No, it got settled. Because it was obvious that that Marvel wasn't going to win. Well, the long story short is I think COH did enough to to curb their uh, annoyance. Well, the, the major sticking point, though, was that the player base wasn't doing this nearly as much as Marvel was making their own characters in the game. Yeah. So, But, I mean, it could be done quite easily. You could make a, a load of guys. And, really, even after they nerfed it a little bit, you could still you could still do it. So, um, that basically came and went. There was no big deal. Um uh, the game added uh, enhancement, uh, which was interesting. You could you could put these little uh, enhancements, uh, coins your powers. in your powers, and you could make them do certain things that were different. Like I had a guy that had a power called Lift. He could lift a guy straight up in the air with his mind, and if you put enough uh, certain tokens in it, he could lift a guy <clears throat> from farther away. Excuse me, <clears throat> or he could uh, throw him way do higher. more damage. Yeah, and if you were if you were way overpowered, you could throw guys up like as high as like twenty story building. It was yeah. real funny. Uh, so uh, the game kept on rolling. Two thousand five, they released City of Villains, which was a se- separate game that lets you play as bad guys. Everyone had wanted this, and they and they released it. And it added a whole new section to the world, uh, and this world was diverse. It had tons and tons of uh, different parts of the city you could go to, and this added more. And in this, you were villains. You could you made your own villains. It added. More costume stuff. It actually added stuff to both sides. <clears throat> and eventually, what ended up happening was they sold that as a standalone for a while. Then they sold them as a com- as a combined pack for a while. And then eventually, everyone just sort of got City of Villains yeah. uh, there t- towards the end because it, it had been around for so for so long. But it was another very popular uh, uh, option. And I know we we scooped it up and we, we really liked Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> and it was it was well well received and people really liked it. So. In, in 2007, uh, NCSoft bought Cryptic's half of ownership in the game, and that would basically change the franchise to a, a certain degree. Uh, and so Cryptic handed over the reins to uh, City of Heroes North Cal, uh, which they ended up changing their name <laughs> because their name was so stupid. Uh, but so basically, there were 15 people that were working on the MMO in 2000, after 2007 and that, that were, had been around for a long time. And so... You've got basically you've got a change of ownership here to a certain degree, but what the important thing is, NCSoft now was a controlling owner of, of City of Heroes. That's the important note there. So uh, this actually the smaller studio did way more than Cryptic did. Way way. They more. went bananas. They enhanced the game like you wouldn't believe, and this is the exact opposite of of, of Star Wars Galaxies. Over the next couple of years, you saw stuff like. Uh, uh, arenas where the curious could have combat. You saw uh, auction house where people were buying and selling special uh, equipment and enhancements. Uh, you saw uh, the incredible uh, uh, adventure story editor where you could go architect. in the architect where you could go in and literally make up stories for other heroes to go through uh, that you could, that other people could it run. It was remarkable. That blew us away. I mean, you're effectively, you're making in-game content. It was actually quite brilliant. It, it was, you took the set pieces that already existed in the game, but you added your own dialogue and you set it up your own way. You physically placed things on the map. Yep. Um, and you could tell your own story through it. It was it was amazing. And that came out in 2009. Uh, and this is right after Ooh. North Cal changed their name to Paragon Studios. Yes. Because so, North Cal was not a, gr- a great name. Um, <clears throat> so... 
Um, in, in August 2010, they released another expansion called Going Rogue. And this is a really interesting expansion that lets you sort of play one of those tweener characters that's so, like sort of good and sort of bad, like a Deadpool maybe, something like that. And you can and make it, your bad characters good you can, yeah, and your you good can, characters bad. You can bring your bad guys in and run these complicated story arc and turn them into good guys and vice versa because... As a villain, if you went to certain parts of the city, you were instantly attacked. You know, it was yeah, well, you couldn't, you just couldn't go there for all most intensive purposes. But being being a a, a a vigilante, where you could go everywhere, was sort of the thing. That's what a lot of people wanted to do, and this really allowed you to do it. So, um, that was released in 2010. Now, the one thing about the Sea of Hero. Uh, uh, subscriber base was it was a very consistent subscriber base, but it had whittled Solid. away over the years. So <clears throat> it was decided in 2011 to take COH free to play. Now I remember when this happened, we were all quite concerned, weren't we? Because yeah. free to play was pretty new, and there hadn't been too many games that did it. But uh, we, it, your, what you got for free was actually incredible. A lot of my, a lot of stuff really well, for free. The way it worked was the longer you had been subscribed to the game, which we were been subscribed for a very, very long time, the more of the pay free stuff you would get. Right. So they were rewarding so, uh, your your, your uh, loyalty. Patronage. Yeah. So for us, when the game went free to play, we just had didn't have to pay a monthly fee anymore because oh, we were there for so long, we got everything unlocked for free. Now the funny thing is, I still I, eventually I w- went back to the pay model. Just because you got, I like the added benefits that you got, but but you know, it, this game to put it in perspective, because I sort of just touched loosely in the gameplay on this, you can you can, you'll get to have a uh, gosh a ton of heroes. I think it's like fifteen heroes. Yeah. Uh, you've got access to all these different lands. Uh, the uh, and you, by the time you get the level up in the high thirties, before you're you're talking a guy that has several dozen powers, unique powers too. I'm not just saying like here's a blue laser, here's a red laser. I mean they did yeah. different stuff. So you're talking a massive amount of powers. Something else that has to be mentioned here, just talk about the gameplay, is that was the physics engine in this, which was Bragdoll Physics. Yes. Those were the best. I've never seen a game use them quite like COH. Because they were so good. You would hit a guy, and they would, and they would wing around, and their legs and arms flailing. We used to love to do this thing called railing kills, where we would shoot guys and try to knock them over railings. Some guys would crotch themselves on railings. Some guys would fall four or five stories and crotch themselves, fall head first. They would fly back in the walls and splat. It was the best. And that's really, that system was a big part of the allure. I mean, no one did combat. No one's done, and I haven't played many modern ones, but up to the point where I've played, no one had done anything like this combat-wise. It was was not, it was real-time combat that was all, it wasn't like Final Fight or something, but it was like, but it was like, uh, uh, you were, it was really happening in front of you. Everyone was seeing things at the same time. It was glorious. And, it, and when you had a big battle going on with a bunch of guys, it was mass chaos on a grand scale. Yeah. It was really quite remarkable. And you, you would have events where you would have uh, uh, 60 people or more get to come in and fight one big, huge creature. Hamadon was a good, this big, amorphous blob yeah. that you would fight. You would have, and you had to bring in the whole, everyone would have to come together. Yeah. Uh, which I should mention also, another thing to see here is how it was just a lot of, of all the MMOs I've played, it was the one with the most n- nice, friendly people. Helpful. Absolutely. They would help you level. They would give you stuff because you were heroes. And I think that gave people a sensibility that they didn't get in a lot of games. Uh, they weren't out there trying to... There was very little uh, uh, bad behavior. Uh, no, people, yeah. People were quite nice. And people would single you out if you were a, a, a bad behavior. And they would, you would 
you would be ostracized to a certain degree. I read an article where someone, a psychologist, had taken it upon himself to do a case study on COH by being the biggest jerk character he could be. And his report, basically his report was, I did all this evil stuff, and these guys all ostracized me. They all hated me. You know, and 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 uh, he was he he thought all oh, these violent jerks. I thought to myself, I read his thing. I was like, no, you're clearly an idiot. Yeah, you acted like a jerk, and so everyone treated you like garbage. Yeah. You know? Another thing with City Heroes, uh, the role playing in the game was off the charts. You would have, I remember very vividly, one character who would always stand around the payphones at the game and do an emote like it looked like he was on the phone. And he would have these hilarious conversations where you only heard one side of them. But they would go on for like 20 minutes. They were they were pre-written routines that he had. And people would gather around this guy, listen to his whole spiel. And like I'm saying, this is what you're out. There's tons of stuff to do, but you're all gathered around this one guy. Listen to this hilarious conversation he's having. And stuff like that built the community. Another thing that City Heroes did was had costume contests. Not officially run, just fans would have costume contests, and everyone would line up, and every yeah. and they would have judges, and they would give out prizes. And they'd give out good stuff, yeah. lots of lots of uh, enhancements and, and credits. And this was another. This is literally the only other MMO besides Star Wars Galaxies that had also had a very deep fan, a deep rooted community, where. These people came together and made the game more than what it was because it was just a lot of like-minded people. Yeah, I mean, I could sit here all day and go into the different things that they added to the game over the years that, that made it fun. Super bases, you had, of course, you had superhero groups. A lot of the groups would run those contests, you know. Yeah. Uh, there were, there and, and it did, there were there was radio stations devoted to COAs that were ran yep. off-server. There was, of course, message bases. The message base was by far one of the most active I've ever been on. Uh, it was a huge community uh, of players, and everything was going well, and the free-to-play was a raging success. In fact, it was talked about as the model for the future of yeah. how to do this. This is how you want to do your free-to-play right here because it had, it had turned their profits up to tw- – they were still – keep in mind, this game had been around for a while. They were making $12 million a year. Yeah. Money. They weren't losing money. They were making money. They were making the money. And they had, their fan base had went up. You know, yep. they'd went up. So you can imagine how surprised everyone was on August 30th or 31st, 2012, when the news from NC saw that they were going to shut down this game. <laughs> we were, so mad. How, how baffled were you? I could we, we literally didn't believe it until they shut off the lights. I was like, wow, they're really going to do it because they were, you're effectively giving away millions of dollars yes. that, and people that wanted to play the game. Uh, but it's funny how things go. So uh, NC Soft was, a, was an outfit, as we mentioned them earlier, out of Korea. And they had a couple big properties in Korea, including uh, lineage the Lineage too. series. They also did the, uh, uh, what was the other one? They did Guild uh, Guild Wars. Was mm-hmm. another one of theirs that was a very popular unit. And they had decided that they were going to switch direction. And what that meant, they didn't think, they were making so much money on Lineage. Yes. Uh, and they had some other properties coming out that they weren't going to mess with City of Heroes, which wasn't popular in, in Korea, although it was some places overseas that got it. But uh, it, it, wasn't, it, was not. it was not popular in Korea. Mm-hmm. They didn't deem it popular enough to, to, to keep going. And so what happened was a series of deals that were trying to be made up because NC Soft was caught with their pants down. They had no idea it was coming. And NC Soft uh, tried to buy City of Heroes. Now, the word on the street is that the negotiations went back and forth, and literally uh, the lead designer said, that the deal was probably going to happen 
And there was literally one signature short of NCSoft purchasing the rights of City of Heroes. Yeah, you mean or, Paragon, uh, Studios. Paragon Studios. And what happened was they didn't they didn't get it. And so, uh, sure enough, uh, the uh, the thing shut down. Something uh, I want to mention about this, and, and this is not uncommon for uh, Korean or Asian-based studios. They have a thing where, and this is true with all companies, but especially true with Asian-based companies, when they have a property that they feel that that they're the owners of, they take great pride in it, even if it's even if it's nothing, even if it doesn't exist anymore. Uh-huh. <clears throat> so, it, a lot of people were saying that uh, even though the money was there, I mean, they were making money if they would have kept running it. They would have made money if they would have sold it. They were worried that in someone else's hands, even though they had nothing to do with it besides being the publisher of it, uh, they were worried if it was in someone else's hands, it would go bad, and then that badness would reflect back on NCSoft. It, it doesn't surprise me what you're saying. Um, so with so the, frustrating. With the deal done, uh, the players lost their minds. And so uh, uh, they really band together. Uh, and on, uh, even up to the point where they, for the last uh, month or so, they had a continual nonstop torchlight vigil in the steps of the, of the main headquarters in COX the whole time. Uh, and it's there are plenty of pictures of it uh, up there. And, and they would have gatherings of hundreds and hundreds of guys. I mean, it's an infinite sea of heroes that would be showing up to protest. There were petitions. I signed all the petitions. I sent the emails. Everybody did. Didn't help. I mean, we, we I think we all knew we were pretty much boned. In City of Heroes, whenever you get too many people in one place, it spawns another instance of that place. Uh, so I think, I think the limit was like uh, 170 or so people. So what happened was, uh, where I was talking about was called Atlas City, or Atlas Park. Park. Uh, there were over a hundred instances of Atlas Park because so many people were coming in to do this torchlight vigil. Yeah, I was there. I'm sure I you was were there. there too for a bunch of it. Um, so uh, unfortunately, all the people at Paragon literally got, they were just like showing the door and they yeah. were working on an issue that would have seen the City of Heroes characters be able to go on missions to the moon. Yes. And so they literally were in the middle of the of the of the issue when it died. Uh, such was the passion of the community that they, the community tried to band together to buy the game from NCSoft. Yeah. They wouldn't sell it, and then the community got together and helped pay, uh, help basically give the developers some money because yes. they were broke. I mean, yeah. literally, I mean, to eat, they yeah. they needed money, they, so they donated money to the developers. I remember reading these on the, fo- the forums where people yeah. were they got and it was quite a. I mean, they did a good job. That's yeah, a, it, a lot. I mean, again, this shows the community. Uh, uh, the camaraderie between the community members and the de- developers at this time, which is unparalleled, uh, funds were set up, and the developers didn't want to take the money. And eventually, they were, t- you know, they had to because they were yeah. just they were out of work. And a lot of these developers, you know, some people donated thousands of dollars. Yeah, and this is and, all Paragon did was this one game, so they yeah. didn't have anything other sticks on the fire. <laughs> this was all their so this studio shut down. When when these developers got back up on their feet, got new jobs and whatever, they actually invited these these people. I mean, this was years down the line, but these people who, who donated all, a bunch of money, they uh, started having conferences and bringing them back and having dinner with them 
And it, it was a really even... This is years after the game shut down, and these people are still close-knit. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah, so um, uh, with, the, with it gone, uh, it was at Kickstarter time. And a, a sequel, a fan-made sequel, because City of Titans raised a, a, you know almost three-quarters of a million dollars to to fund the new MMO, which, unfortunately, after all these years, is still in development. It's been now going on six years. Uh, and among uh, there's a few other uh, MMOs that, that are supposed to be like the spiritual successor of COH that are in the works. Uh, you know, and everyone has the best intent. It's just it's a, they're hard to make. Well, and it's not something you can just go out and whip one out. I mean, and, it's and, tough. And, and just to touch on this, uh, City of Titans was trying to make a game in City Heroes image, which would just be an upgraded for the for the new you know the new times. Uh, it is still in development. Another game called, uh, I want to say City of Heroes. Ship. uh, No, this was uh, uh, Heroes and Villains. Its goal is to make basically City Heroes again using their properties, and it is still ongoing. These are both, it's a smaller project, but it is still ongoing. And then there is a third effort to reverse engineer the game, much like Star Wars Galaxies did, to put their servers back online. Uh, in the works that is still being worked on to this day. They have I've seen footage within the last month where they have gotten so close. You can go into the worlds, run around, uh, run around the environments. There are uh, NPCs there now that you can interact with, but there's still no there's still no powers. There's still no fighting. You know the core of the game is still not there, but. These fans, these hard, dedicated fans, are still pushing to bring the community of City of Heroes and that feeling back. Yeah, and there, and there's a lot of the community still hang out on Facebook, so a lot of them haven't, haven't went away. Um, so that's a, sort of the sad tale. I mean, there's also a thing called Paragon Chat where you can literally log into the City of Heroes world and run around, but you can't. There's no actual combat. You right. just sort of run around, so it's kind of fun. Uh, it was a great game. I told really the, that's pretty much killed MMOs for me. But that's the price you pay. Uh, but while I was there, it was a great game. That oh they did my a, god! They did a good job keeping yes. up. Uh, speaking of keeping up, we're going to keep oh. up our good run of quality quality titles. When we start in that, right now, when oh. we spin the wheel oh, and make gosh. the deal. Brent, all right. Tell them what we've added this week. We have added the most modern system. To the wheel to date. Yeah, I don't even care anymore. We're going to do whatever we want. And so we have decided to put the Dreamcast on there. That is right. The Dreamcast. Screw it. We're doing everything. It doesn't matter. You know what? The wheel is so full of goodness, I don't even care. All right. Let's go with it. I'm hoping for CDI, yo. I'm not hoping for CDI. Oh, no. What is it? What do we get? That would be... Oh, we've been waiting. We've been daring. It's chat choice time, Holy ladies smokes. and gentlemen. Do we have anyone in the chat room? We Brent? do have. We did not put everyone to sleep. There are a few people remaining. All right, you in the chat. We're gonna do this differently this time since we're live now. You people in the chat room right now. You, those of you who are awake, uh, you can all shout out one system you'd like to see us do, and we're gonna make the decision right here on the air. So. Uh, we're just going to take a minute to do it. Everyone uh, in the chat room. We already have one suggestion. The C64. Okay. And why don't you read some of the names of who's in the chat room there, just to give them some, give oh, them some we got We got some Pixels. We got Necronom. We've got uh, uh, Terry's in the chat. We got Duncan Styles, although I think he had to go. Paul Harrington. 
Uh, but the Retro Man Cave came around. I don't know if he's still there or not. Uh, let's see. Oh, 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 oh. We're getting suggestions in. All right, let's have some. The Sam Coop, which I don't even know what that is. The Spectrum, Paul Harrington's suggestion. Oh my. All right, we need a, we need a consensus. Uh, we need a, we need somebody to lobby one way or the other, so we can we can make our choice. Uh, you know we and keep in mind that you can pick anything, even stuff we've covered. Feel free to. Uh, we, in fact, I think on our last chat choice, we, uh, I think we went back and did Spectrum, didn't we, Brent, on the last one? <laughs> I think that's what I think. Paul's wanting a double dose of Spectrum goodness. That'd be a triple dose, triple dog dose of, of Specky. <laughs> So, I, you know, I will say, it's, I'm, I'm glad that came up now while we're live. It's a lot easier to make a decision. So, we're going to give this a few more seconds. What, what, what is winning the race here so far, Brent? Uh, well, single, single choices, because you said we were going to choose from what everyone chose. So, you, you changed the rules. No, I'm, I want to see what the consensus is. It's chat choice. We're not going to pick. They're going to pick. Uh, oh, I don't know what the Sam... Is the Sam Coop emulatable? I've never even heard of that. I have not either. But that may, that might make it good. Sam Coop. It sounds like a car. To me. It's a computer. Is it from France? British. British? The British 8-bit computer. Well, if it's got an emulator, I say that's... I think we have a winner. Bam! Well... Let's do it. Let's make sure... Uh, oh, oh. Okay. Well, that's it. All right. So next week... We're going to be doing something, I swear to you, as, as God is my witness, I've never heard of the Sam Coop. We're going to learn together. So next week, we will be taking an in-depth look at the Sam Coop. <laughs> wow, I never thought I'd say those words. So, uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, until next week, all I can say to you is, Sam Coop! Excelsior!